0: Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's guide to a positive birth book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of expert information and real chats on all things pregnancy, birth and beyond. Remember, as a podcast listener, you can get 15% off my online courses at midwifepip.com using the code podcast15. Both physical and psychological birth injuries are documented to impact one in 20 people every year in the UK. Taking control of and understanding your birth can be a powerful tool in healing. I think it's important we keep things real, both in terms of the less idealistic side of birth, but also the challenges that come with motherhood and how burnout can impact so many of us. This week, I am joined by the lovely Illy Morinson, known on Instagram as at mixing up motherhood. Illy is a birth trauma specialist midwife, qualified hypnobirthing instructor, birth debrief facilitator, mother of two and author. This episode is for anybody who has had a baby, wants to share the load and to realise that they are not alone in the thoughts and feelings they may be having. So welcome and thanks so much for coming on to join me. We're in the middle of half-term, we're navigating motherhood chaos. Actually, there's no better time to be talking about this topic.
1: I mean, really, I'm surprised you can't hear my son just crying He has been dragging himself around the house Like a stray puppy, (laughs) literally crying at my ankles And I'm like, oh my gosh, child So I've sort of dumped and ran I've given him to his dad, who's trying to be in a meeting as well Whoops, Um, so, you know, the juggle, it's what we do
0: (laughs) It is what we do, and don't we do it amazingly (laughs) thing I want to talk to you about is the term birth debrief. Now, it's mm. something that some people may have heard of before, particularly if they have seen your new book. But what actually is it for those people thinking, "Oh, I've sort of heard it, perhaps I don't really understand it." What is a birth debrief and why may it be so helpful for so many? And why have you chosen to to kind of specialize in it because it's quite mm. quite a niche kind of avenue as a midwife to go into, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I mean, so basically, I don't know, I'm not going to try and claim to like have ownership of anything, but I'd never heard of a birth debrief before. I definitely heard of birth reflections, which are very similar. Um, But really, I'm sure people have been debriefing their experiences for a very long time. Um, And basically in the autumn of 2020, um, I'd started my Instagram in April so just as we'd locked down mm. and people had been sending me their birth stories because I'd been sharing my own story and whatever. And uh, so then I was like, well, why don't I offer this as a service and see what happens? I'd I'd turned down a job at my local hospital because I just didn't want to go back into clinical working. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I did, it started with one or two bookings. And then within about three weeks, I had a waiting list of about six weeks. So I think I tapped into the gap or like into that sort of niche Mm -hmm. thing when there was a space for it and a need for it. Um, So yeah, that kind of answers the question of why I decided what it what I I suppose how I decided to do it yeah like accidentally
0: Um, on purpose I suppose accidentally
1: on purpose (laughs) exactly I mean I was broke I wasn't really sure what I was gonna do Yeah, I just was kind of like oh I just really don't want to go back into the hospital um my daughter was just turning two and I just thought I just don't want to do that um and just kind of has, has worked and so it's really something that has evolved over time um and it started particularly where women and families would come and speak to me about their birth experience specifically um it has now become a service that is about anything across the perinatal period um so we will kind of unpack feelings and experiences from preconception, so from difficulties um, conceiving or assisted conception to early miscarriage or ectopic molar pregnancies um, to sort of your pregnancy illnesses, such as HG, um, later pregnancy loss um, and stillbirth. As well as birth trauma um, and anything across the postnatal period, including feeding trauma or adjusting trauma. Um, and so that's sort of from immediate postpartum to, I don't know, I've had someone that's 10 years postpartum, so anything in the, any period of time. Um, so yes people will come to me to unpack those feelings those experiences both clinical emotional mental um and we work through them and create sort of tangible ways in which to um kind of deal with those feelings as they arise
0: and i think one of the things that i love and i didn't realize actually that you did sort of preconception and pregnancy stuff Mm. as well i think as As a clinician, what I see is people having a trauma or a difficult experience during their labor and birth and then having a debrief service, but amazing Mm -hmm. that you strip it back to the beginning of when perhaps some of those feelings and emotions may have arisen because we see the massive impact that, for example, a difficult conception, the massive impact that has on that woman's ability to enjoy and accept and relax Mm -hmm. into their pregnancy before we even got to labor birth and baby bit, Mm -hmm. it has such a knock on effect. So I love that you're like, take it back to the root cause and address it at the time. Don't wait for, there to be a negative pregnancy a negative birth and pick it all up at the end and find that actually the root cause was before we even conceived.
1: Yeah, Um, and also I think, you know, if we look at how we are as human beings, nothing nothing happens in isolation. mm -hmm. So even our feelings around our birth experiences can go back to our feelings around conception. So if we kind of say, right, well, you know, I struggled to conceive and then I had this terrible birth experience, what is wrong with my body? Mm-hmm. and so when you open it up and you start to really unpack that you go uh-huh mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know and so that's why as the service developed I was like nah this is bigger this is bigger than just that kind of for, for a lot of people mm-hmm. um that that immediate birth experience so um yeah it's really cool it's really cool
0: yeah really exciting and my goodness so needed so needed it's mad to think that actually like what two years you've been doing this mm-hmm. and look how much is needed just in that two years. So yeah. you're doing incredible stuff. Um. So with the parents that you see that have experienced some kind of birth trauma or pregnancy trauma, what are the kind of key things that you tend to see with people you work with? Are there any kind of common common theme, mm-hmm. themes that, that crop up?
1: Yeah, so a, a lot of the time, there are so many layers to things. So what I do see a lot of is induction issues um you know how did I get here kind of things Mm. um and we sort of will look at that look at things like unsuccessful home births that then become sort of emergency cesarean sections uh what that feels like um a lot of stuff about the transition into motherhood so from birth to that post postpartum period and the sort of the difficult transition that that is, um, and then it's ad- another layer is added on by a difficult birth, perhaps, or a difficult pregnancy. Um, but a lot of the common themes, and I think they're just themes that we find in motherhood anyway, are going to be feelings of shame, guilt, and inadequacy. And so I'm we really look through like- those.
0: Yeah. I'm literally nodding away. you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this motherhood thing is wild. Like mm-hmm, it's really, mm-hmm. really wild.
1: Yeah.
0: So, and we've kind of talked about this already, to be honest, but do you feel that the, the kind of feelings, the thoughts, the way that birth goes for a woman has an impact on their journey through motherhood? Does it kind of kickstart that fourth trimester down one path or the other?
1: Yeah. Categorically. Yes. I mean, you know, for me, the secret is always in the beginning. And how we start things will really impact how we can continue them. Um, It's not to say that if it doesn't go ideally, it's going to be terrible. But it's it's to say that how we can approach it and process it is impacted by how we started it. Um, So, you know, if I think back to when I had my daughter, terrible start, categorically horrendous, Mm. and... That impacted us for at least the first six weeks. But in all honesty, she's four now and it will—it still crops up now in different ways. It shows up in different ways. Um, and it's definitely because I've done a lot of stuff with myself. I don't it doesn't impact me in the same way, but I can see how that start has definitely influenced how. I'm triggered by certain things such as her cry or when she kind of makes loud noises. Um, this is four years later. Mm -hmm. Um, and whereas with my son who was an H back, so a home birth after cesarean section, he, it's so different. Like he cries and I'm like, Oh, it's okay. (laughs) Like it's, everything is softer and you know, and so I think it definitely can have a huge impact and with support, it doesn't, need to be like that um but it is is really so when I when I see people in subsequent sessions or or in a session for a subsequent birth I'm talking to them through how they want to start parenting and when we get there it's like okay right let's let's talk about it um because it really is very very important
0: we underestimate it don't we I think we really underestimate those Thoughts and feelings about ourselves and our experiences during pregnancy during motherhood mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. often we see it as we, we put all this emphasis and this hope and this this kind of preparation and time on birth as if it's this one day and we mm-hmm. totally forget how it entirely shapes our being, doesn't it? Our minds, our bodies, our, our experiences past and, and present and how we're going to feel and how we're going to interact. And like you said, four years later, even after the work that you've done and the knowledge you have, there's still there's still a feeling there. And I just think yeah. we, we just don't recognize it enough, do we, we don't invest in ourselves. And and I mean, in terms of the time that we give ourselves, the time we allow ourselves to heal and recover and to prepare and protect our minds, they're so, yeah. so, so powerful and when I- it comes.
1: I think it's not even encouraged I don't think it's encouraged on a grand scale you know every business is trying to force you to kind of go yeah 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 uh birth prep birth prep birth prep and I'm like okay but what about life prep like if we look at it in the grand scheme of things we've got nine ten months of pregnancy yeah. we've got forever postpartum and we've got this birth in between and everyone is so fixated on it and it's like Hmm. Okay. The shortest bit is the bit that we put the most focus on. Don't get me wrong; it's highly intense and it's massive. But everyone's even asking in the postnatal period. The amount of people that come to me and they're like, and everyone's like, and how was the birth? And I'm like, I don't give. I don't care about the birth. Like, how am I now? How's life now? This is what we need to talk about. Um. But also, the kind of measure of success is around how you birthed. So was it a vaginal birth? Was it, you know, I saw the other day, um, Molly May, who had her baby said, um, people keep asking me if it was a natural birth because Tommy was in, in scrubs. And yes, it was. And I was like, why is anyone bothered? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: What does it mean? What does it, <laughs> what it you know, if it wasn't, what happens?
0: It's so strange, it's, isn't it? It's quite
1: weird. It's quite weird. We're, we're deeply fixated on it yeah. and, you know, our our lives extend beyond birth and how we birth is not a reflection of ourselves um but actually how we prepare for that life is a reflection on how easy it will be so you know preparing for the change in your relationship preparing for the change in your body preparing for the changes in your mind like these things matter and I think we really could do with highlighting that a little bit more
0: and the lack of sleep. pairing. for the lack, lack of sleep.
1: sleep. We
0: <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? Because we then, because there is this, whether we we realize it subconsciously or not, because there is this kind of how have you birthed and you're always anticipating those questions before you've even birthed, we then have this pressure on ourselves as women that we must birth in that way that's gonna make people think that we've done better because we did it without an epidural yeah. or because our baby was born vaginally. When that is obviously, you and I know, absolutely ludicrous. You've mm-hmm. brought this human into the world. However, you've brought a human into the world. Literally doesn't matter. But it's we, we really need to start changing that tone, don't we? Instead of that horrible idea of there's some kind of competition or one way of mm-hmm. birthing is better than the other. And I, I wish we could say to women... How did you feel when you held your baby for the first time? Or something like, you know, change it up. Because to Mm -hmm. me, a positive birth is how that woman feels when they birth their baby. Whatever that room looks like, wherever it is. Mm -hmm. Fantasy area and home birth, whatever, who cares, in the middle of the ocean. But Mm -hmm. how did she feel? And I think we need to start focusing on how those kind of feelings and those emotions rather than the physicality, if you like, of labor and birth. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if... If people were given permission to express their feelings, we would probably have a lot less birth trauma. We'd have a lot less people who were kind of not speaking about how they feel uh, or not kind of expressing their true sentiment. Um, sorry, you can hear a baby.
0: Oh, I actually can't. Oh, you can't hear him? Okay. No, I was like, maybe it's mine. No,
1: it's not. <laughs> um, people who can't express their true sentiment around their feelings because you know shame because it's tinged with shame and i remember feeling exactly like that when i had my daughter um and then when having my son feeling absolutely incredibly proud of myself but not because he was born at home but it was because of how i I'd, I'd fought for it i'd fought for it mm-hmm. and how i'd really centered my needs there and and that was what made me proud um and, you know, it would have been the same had I gone for an elective cesarean section, which was my other choice. Mm. Um, there was no in between for me. Um, mm. And so it was about the feeling and how I would be able to express that feeling. And, you know, that's that's really something that I I try and encourage people to consider when thinking about how they birth their children.
0: Mm, I love that. And, you know, birth trauma is something that, thank goodness, we're starting to lift the lid on. But I think it's a way bigger issue than any of us have have realized. And the amount of, mm. you know, grandparents often that will be present at sort of talks and things that I do that are supporting pregnant mm. family or friend member that will say, oh, my gosh, I still remember how terrified I was at that or how, you know, scared I was at that, how alone I felt. And I'm like, my goodness, you've carried birth trauma. Throughout two further generations, but didn't even know that was what it was. But it has probably existed, you know, in in everything that you've done for years and years and years.
1: But in actual fact, you've normalized birth trauma. Mm, You know, that's really true. Because actually, it's like, well, my mom did it. Well, her mom did it. Well, we all just cracked on. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's great. You know, and that then adds to the shame because women have been cracking on with birth trauma. So why are you crying? It's like, well, because I don't want to crack on. I want to deal with this. I want to talk about it. And that's amazing. And if we can keep encouraging people to do that, we will raise healthier generations. Um, And, you know, they they did what they had to. Perhaps there weren't services that helped them, you know, as it had been normalized, it was just whatever. Um, But we are, we have a responsibility to our children and to the, you know, women now to to break that stigma and to kind of really open up the conversations.
0: We can do better and we deserve better. Mm, Exactly. Um, So difficult emotions, I Mm. think it's probably fair to say that they crop up for most of us, if not all of us at some point, especially during motherhood. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about burnout Mm. and the feeling of burnout. Certainly, personally, since becoming a mum, I feel like burnout and overwhelm are emotions that pretty much describe me most days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wonder whether it's something, a trap that you've also fallen into and those that you speak to. I mu- it must be so, so common, but you kind of don't really realise when you're in it yourself. hmm
1: mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's really normal to be overwhelmed um, because you're doing a huge thing, but we aren't. What happens is we see the overwhelm, the overwhelm as like something to do with being inadequate, rather than, of course, I'm overwhelmed. So you know, if we were to meet the overwhelm with yeah, duh, rather than oh, I'm crap, mm. we probably wouldn't be pushing ourselves to burnout. Yeah. So the oh, I'm crap then says. Do more, do better, do bigger, work harder. It's like okay, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. And then comes the fall, and it's a hard, it's a hard fall with consequences for everyone. And so it's like, hmm, okay. You know, for me, the antidote to that is meeting the overwhelm with the honesty of yeah, shit. Like, sorry, yeah, the, I'm doing a lot of stuff, um, really, really big things. I've my mental load is heavy. What can I do? to catch the overwhelm before or instead of feeding the burnout essentially. Mm-hmm.
0: I like that that kind of idea that it's almost like a spectrum. We've got like this overwhelm that then potentially yeah. can escalate and we got to kind of kind of jump in there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you know normalizing these feelings in motherhood is mm. so important, and just making people realise that actually they're not alone, and that perfect little square on social media is not an, an honest reflection. So, what are your kind of tips or tricks, Ilian, that you speak with with parents when it comes to trying to mitigate that burnout mm-hmm. when they start to feel that overwhelm? I guess recognitions probably, yeah,
1: plan, eh? yeah. Um, you know, meeting it there, meeting that. Mm. Can you hear that crying? Is it annoying? okay good um so you know meeting meeting that feeling and saying hi like you know it's like an intrusive thought when it comes we often try and say like go away go away don't think that it's fine and it comes like louder and louder and louder Mm. but instead if you say hi like you greet it and you say i know why you're here what are you telling me what can i change you do the exact same with that overwhelm? So if I look now, um, I live with my sister and my other two sisters are here quite a lot, but they're all away at the moment. And I am having to do everything by myself, which I know lots of parents have to do. So, you know, I recognize the privilege, et cetera, et cetera. But... I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot do all of this stuff. And so I just sacked it off and I went to soft play, which was probably worse than tidying the house. Um, but I was like, it's overwhelming me. My brain is not working. I'm snapping at my children. Like this is not serving me right now. So I just walked away and then I came back and then tackled the laundry. Like it, it it's kind of saying, I know why you're here. What are you telling me? The messaging is you're trying to do too much. Mm. The kind of solution is stepping back for a minute. OK, let me do that. And coming back to it when I'm calmer. So it's always like meeting it, listening to what it's telling you, responding to it adequately. And it doesn't need to be big. It doesn't need to be you leave all of it. It could be that you do less. So you've got four loads of washing and you do one. Like it's OK. What's going to happen if you don't? Have you got clothes to wear tomorrow? Perfect. Um, so that's sort of my my first tip. Looking at how to share that mental load is going to be the other one, because that heavy mental load is going to be one of the biggest things that causes um, that overwhelm and the burnout. So it's like, right, hold on. I'm going to list these in order of priority. First, I'm going to see what's the priority. I'm going to put that in order. Then I'm going to see what can be left. Amazing. I'm going to just leave that to one side. And then I'm going to see what can be shared. And th- And once I can see all of this, that makes more sense. Cool. I can figure this out. But you have to get it out. So you have to either write it down, you have to like, allocate it verbally just kind of say, like, this is how I'm feeling or whatever. But if it stays in your head, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the space inside your head is finite. And so unless you want to collapse with it, you have to kind of alleviate some of those pressures um so those are my two biggest things and you know it is about calling in the troops whatever they are one troop or 10 you need help it's fine it's looking at for some people it might be going to the gp and getting support other people it might be finding groups that are local to you to just kind of find people who you can connect with um in that sort of shared experience of mothering that's going to be another thing another thing could be looking at things that we have in place, sort of state services. So if it's financial help, if it's kind of helping with food or bills or whatever, looking at what's available there, but you need to kind of, and sometimes it's not going to be particularly comfortable. And I I say this and, and I say it with absolute kindness, but you have to humble yourself a lot of the time. You know, pride can be a huge barrier and can also lead to that burnout. So it's like actually I'm not too proud to ask for help because, what's the alternative? So you know, it's it's we have pride, and also when we look at social media and how it's impacted what we should be able to do as mothers, it's like I should be able to have it all together because Stacey Solomon has jars for like bath pearls, like you know, I I should have it together. No shade, Stacey Solomon, like good for you, um, but. It's like, and if you don't, so what? That's okay, it's not a problem. And so, you know, really, really, really getting real with yourself, looking at what your needs are, looking at who and how they can be responded to um, and getting out of your head, so yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's
0: my advice <laughs> I love that getting out your head so I feel like we've we've always had this kind of society hierarchy where if you're like really busy like so busy you haven't got a moment to breathe that was like a respect thing and that was like mm-hmm. oh my God, she's so successful because she's so busy mm-hmm. and it's like that is not healthy you know busying ourselves physically is gonna busy our minds in a way that is so unsustainable and so un unhealthy to ourselves Mm -hmm. and actually rest is a really productive thing and i feel like we are hopefully over the coming years for the benefit of our children gonna start to shift that kind of perception and mindset because it isn't okay and it's not sustainable and all we're gonna do is end up in that big old muddy puddle of burnout in the long run aren't we essentially
1: yeah I mean it's glamorized busyness isn't it everyone Mm -hmm. likes to, to look like they're busy and it's like for what who's it serving and for some people they really do need to be busy and so it's important to recognize that it's the only way that they can function and that for them rest will lead to collapse like if they stop but equally it is not sustainable and so at some point you will stop what is going to happen when you stop is everything going to fall down? Have you got things in place for that? Mm. If not, you might have to start factoring in small amounts of downtime in order to then be able to keep up with that level of busyness. So either way, you're not winning um, unless you are having rest in between.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can now hear my baby in the background, really. It's with his dad. (laughs) It's okay. Um, (laughs) The dads have got it under control today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, everyone that comes on, I like to ask to finish with three top tips. So I wonder if yeah. you could share three top tips for parents listening and struggling with feelings around their birth, or like you've said, the realities of pregnancy, preconception, or even being a parent.
1: Yeah. Um, My first tip for you is going to be a shameless plug, which is buy my book.
0: Yeah. Link in the description.
1: (laughs) It'll really help you. Um, it is it's a it's a book that is basically all about these types of things, these feelings, and what they will do, what you can do alongside it is have spaces to write things down, to think about them, to open your mind, um, and to meet those feelings where they are. Um, so that's going to be the first one. The second one is open up your network by humbling yourself. It's not asking for help is not a sign of failure. In fact, it is probably the most beautiful sign of success as a human being living in a world amongst other human beings. It's actually showing that, hold on, there there are people here. I'm not alone. Um, So we don't need to glamorize independence. We don't need to glamorize busyness. In fact, we need to do the opposite. We need to find rest and we need to find community. So you know, that's going to be my second thing. So, like I said before, look at what the support networks are, look at what's available via the state and by, by the healthcare system as well, both publicly and privately. Um, and then the third is having a think about your birth experience, pregnant, your perinatal experience and what that has told you, what feelings it brings up in you. And really ask yourself if you can manage them by yourself, Mm -hmm. And the impacts that they've had, or if you are needing support with them, there's not a problem with either, but it's to say, actually, I'm going to continue this in a way that is authentic and that is honest because... I'm doing a really bloody important job of raising this child. But in order to do that, all these children, but in order to do that, I need to be okay. So it's a way in which you can really ask yourself if you are showing up as your best, most authentic self. Um, and that is by being really honest.
0: Oh, Illy, what beautiful words to end on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, sharing your wisdom, and also the incredible work you're doing to support women that are struggling with their thoughts and feelings through your debriefing service. Big thank you. So much love and awesome, awesome book. So if you have listened today and thought, hmm, that sounds a little bit like me in there, pop over to the episode description, follow the link and check out Illy's awesome work. Before you head off, I just need to tell you something 68% of you who listen to my podcast have not hit the subscribe button. So can you do me a favor? If you have ever enjoyed listening and hit subscribe now, it makes a huge difference and helps me to keep bringing you episodes. The bigger the podcast, the bigger the guests and the more women we can reach and help. Thank you for subscribing and I look forward to chatting again soon.